0: Good evening, patriots. This is Living with Liberty. I am Ryan, your host. Today, we'll talk about how government exists only to justify its existence. We'll talk about being ready for the narrative swing back to COVID. And we'll finish up with how we need to allow for what whataboutism if we hope to converse in any meaningful way that changes minds. All next on Living with Liberty. Friends, before I get into tonight's topics, I want to uh, mention that big tech has struck again. Amazon has kicked Parlor off of its uh, website hosting services and servers. Uh, so there's a lot of us uh, Parlor refugees out there right now. I have an alternate uh, s- uh, profile set up on Gab, it's at Living with Liberty. I'm also on MeWe. Uh, if you search at Living with Liberty there, I will pop up uh, there as well. If you can't find me, please send an email. Uh, my email address is livingwithliberty@usa.com and we'll get connected somehow some way there. Uh, as as we go through this time, it's very important that we all stick together, that we all continue to try and find each other as as we mar- migrate between social media platforms, as one is shut down and, you know, maybe another one isn't. Um, and I'll say it again, it's it's important that we stop giving these companies money that hate us. Stop shopping on Amazon. Convenience is no reason to give away our liberties by donating to companies that uh, just want to work to take our liberties away. So I wanted to open up tonight's show with that. Um, And now we'll jump into it. So our first topic about government existing. Uh, Government exists really to justify its own existence. If they didn't create numerous bureaucracies that they claim, our elected officials claim to oversee, if they weren't busy schmoozing the lobbyists and donors for campaign money, it would be a part-time job. Government is a barrier to living life, not an enabler. Dan Bongino made a point on his show last week that government is only in place to be a barrier. It's only in place to tell you no. And that it's really a power play with them. He's 100% correct. Government is there to tell you no. There's no more powerful word in any language than no. Why is that? It grants power. That's why. Think about it. You learn the power of no at an early age, almost as soon as you can talk. Think about how it infuriates parents once their child learns the word and power of no. Bongino made the point that it's what these bureaucrats want. They want the power, so they say no. Or more specifically, they say no, not until you meet our requirements. And their requirements typically are just a revenue stream for the government, a.k.a. a tax. Marriage licenses. Now, why the hell does the government need to be involved in granting you authority to marry? That person that you choose to marry is the one that's granting you that authority. They're agreeing to kind of the the terms of a marriage, right? Well, it just boils down to revenue. That's why. Marriage licenses, as I look at it anyway, are are pretty much just a revenue stream for the government. Very low overhead, very low inputs into granting a license. Um, It's pretty much just a straight revenue stream. Now, you can make a case for it providing some sort of legal premise to the marriage, uh, giving it some sort of legal legitimacy, and that it helps states take stock of their uh, citizens' life situations. Well, fine. Make it a nominal fee to cover the cost of the paperwork involved, the paper printed, the time of the clerk, uh, to, to get and process it, it into the system. I look at this and it should be less than $10. Yet as I looked it up, the range of prices of a marriage license around the country is $10 to $115 Anything above $10 makes it nothing but a revenue stream. You want to add on to your property? You have to pull a permit for that. Uh, I just did that and put a shut up. It cost me $85 bucks to, to pull a permit for them for uh, so I could have somebody come by and put a shut up. Why? Now, don't get me wrong. I'm all for zoning laws. I certainly don't want to be living next to a bunch of industrial buildings or chemical plants or anything like that. But do I really need to shell out money to pull a permit to put a shed up on my property? I own the property. Uh, It's mine. Now, just let me call to see where the lot line is and how far I need to stay off it when I'm putting up that shed or any other building on my property, for that matter. We have let our elected officials create bureaucracies, and then we've let them bestow power on said unelected officials to create enforceable policies and laws. It's these unelected bureaucrats who derive the most power from saying no. Really, this is because they are not beholden to the voters like our elected representatives are. Though these days, it doesn't seem like our our representatives fear the threat of not receiving our vote either. Think of this whole COVID charade. Two weeks to flatten the curve, we were told anyway, has turned into an almost year-long lockdown in some areas of the country. It's been a combination of tyrannical governors and health bureaucracies who finally have their moment in the sun and aren't about to waste their newfound power. They have used junk numbers, flimsy science, and just outright abuse of power to crush people's lives and businesses. If we are going to have these bureaucracies, Their powers must be significantly restricted. They should not be allowed to set and enforce policy as they see fit and as if it were a law. There needs to be repercussions of the people, the people that put the legislators in power. Our legislators have punted too much responsibility to these agencies. Now, as an example, the covid Uh, relief bill here in Wisconsin that our state assembly just passed starts moving toward that end of curtailing uh, the state and local health department's ability to make wide-ranging orders of shutdowns and restrictions. The bills restrict any orders uh, or restrictions on businesses to a maximum of 14 days unless the governing body of that local uh, area uh, the government of the, the uh, municipality, approves an extension, and that extension is also a max of 14 days. There's two problems here that I see. You could get an overzealous tyrant running the local government, and the extensions then, in in theory, could run in perpetuity. The other problem here is this only pertains to COVID-19. It's not a rewrite of state statutes. I want a rewrite of state statutes of the powers of these bureaucracies. I want their broad powers they have to impact our lives curtailed. I will be proposing to my representatives in the state legislature that this be taken further, that bureaucracies such as the health department be only consulting bodies that, and, and that any policy they want to implement must be run through our representatives to ensure our voices as citizens are heard on the matter. I didn't vote for a head of a useless government agency. I voted for somebody to represent my interests in these matters. These bureaucracies must be held accountable. They must be made to provide substantial evidence and reasoning as to why they want to implement a certain policy. If it's sound, there should be little debate about it from our legislators. In any case, in in this day and age, in the event of a health emergency like the one we have seen for the past year now, it is easy enough to get together quickly, easy enough to get the right information together and disseminated, and it's easy enough to be uh, voted on whether our legislators are in the chambers or not. Special rules can be put in place to cover these sorts of incidents. We've seen it all year. Where our elected officials have put rules in place uh, to vote by proxy, to uh, you know vote from you know a zoom call or whatever it may be. it can be done. I would encourage all of you to check out what powers your state and you know since we're a growing international, uh, we have a growing international audience, country bureaucracies, uh, you know what powers do those bureaucracies have and push them to change them in a manner? which makes them more accountable to the people they are supposed to serve. Push your leaders to take back what should be viewed as legislative powers from these bureaucracies. Even better would be to get most of them shut down, but we need to take it one step at a time. On to our next segment. Be prepared for the shift back to COVID. The narrative right now is focused on what happened at the Capitol. This is merely a distraction until we get two to three weeks out from Christmas, which we are now at little little more than two weeks out uh, from Christmas, and we're rapidly approaching that three-week mark. The media and our overlords needed some cover to start jacking the numbers up again on COVID ahead of the uh, inauguration of Biden. Many states, particularly in the Midwest, saw declines beginning from two weeks prior to Thanksgiving to New Year's Eve. Then, as if almost on cue, January 1st, numbers magically started to rise again. Now, to ask a a fair question, could this be due to less people getting tested during the holiday season? Sure, it's possible. What needs to be asked, though, is are these flu cases that are being thrown into the mix of, of COVID numbers? How many are a cold caused by a coronavirus? Both ailments seem to have disappeared off the virus map. Is the COVID coronavirus like a swarm of killer bees that overtakes a hive of regular domestic honeybees? Did the COVID virus just invade the cold and flu hive and take it over? Doubtful. At this point, with the admission by the CDC that they really aren't counting flu cases this year, we have every right to be skeptical of the numbers, and what we are being told about COVID. Also, don't forget this, the COVID numbers weren't reset as they are with the flu year to year. So, our officials just keep adding to the totals to continue to try and generate fear and justify their tyrannical behavior. I'll tie up today's show with an article from American Greatness it really gets to the heart of our inability to have meaningful dialogue. The article is called In Defense of Whataboutism by Glenn Elmers. Elmers notes in his article that any reasonable discussion or examination of an issue has to look at context, consider parallels, and check for consistency. We are unable to even have meaningful dialogue with those who we may mostly agree with. I mean, or I mentioned in my show on social media uh, that what we need to do is drop our right to be offended. We need to be able to have uh, uh, an ability to challenge something with a what-about statement. COVID cases are out of control. What about the flu? Masks are essential to stopping the spread of uh, coronavirus. What about the fact that cases continued to rise despite mask mandates being in place for months. We need to start a patriot party. What about the fact that there's no alternate party on the left to split that vote? A what about statement is vital to getting us thinking about the alternatives that are out there. They get us to see the risks that we may have been previously blind to. But for a what about to be effective, for us to get the full value out of the dialogue, we must go into the conversation of the mindset that we don't know everything. That we may be introduced to new information that may challenge our current understanding of things. It may challenge our current worldview. And we have to be okay with that. We need to have the mindset that any new information may be additive to our understanding of the world as it is. It also allows us to use a what about to verify new information presented to us. However, the only way this works, the only way we are able to expand our knowledge and understanding, is if we are not immediately dismissive when someone asks, what about? This is a sure way to shut down conversation and build a wall. We need to be able to fairly examine all information coming our way. Elmer's notes in his article that we need to have a way to talk to people in a reasonable way uh, so we can reach those who are not hardcore partisans. Our political situation is still very fluid. People are changing their minds and political opinions every week, Elmer's writes. That's a valid point. Those who aren't hyperpartisan. partisan or do not spend as much time researching and looking at the news, are really the ones we could potentially target. These are the people who may just be the headline readers. Their worldview is going to be shaped only by headlines and news clips they see on CNN or, or other news outlets. These are the people we need to give the deeper information to. These are the people we need to remain open to us to hear that deeper information. These are the people we need to persuade to take a deeper look at things. We just shut them down from hearing more beyond the headline if we just shut them down ourselves by dismissing their worldview, by dismissing their what about question. They will dig in more if we just totally dismiss that worldview. Elmers puts it best no one has ever changed his mind in the long run. By being bullied or deceived, or being told you can't make analogies. Friends, in this time of massive amounts of mis and disinformation, we need to be sure we are keeping the lines of dialogue open. We have those on the fence that we can still win to our cause. Not everyone is taken up a side yet. In order to win those on the fence, we need to listen. We need to be humble and know that we don't have all the information and that there is another side to consider. And we need to not be so quick to dismiss someone's position. We need to keep the conversation open so we can have the opportunity to present that person with our new information to consider and apply, hopefully, to their worldview. That is how we will win even more to our movement. That's my show for this evening. Thank you for listening. If you are listening on a platform that allows for reviews, I'd appreciate if you left a positive one. Also, if you would subscribe to the show, I'd greatly appreciate it as it helps us move up the charts and helps more people find the truth. I appreciate you spending some time with me today. Please help me spread the truth by sharing my podcast with friends and family, as well as on your social media accounts. Also, I'd be so grateful if you subscribed to my podcast and signed up for notifications. In this time of social media uncertainty, it will help you stay updated with Living with Liberty. With Parlor Down, I can be found on MeWe by searching at Living with Liberty and on Gab. My handle there. Is at living with liberty. Liberty isn't a given. We must fight to protect it. Working together, we will do exactly that. Until next time.